All right. Well, let's just pray again. I, I just want you to, I want to ask the Lord to reveal. We're, what we're going to do is just take a few minutes because we have been on um, corporate, you know, just setting our hearts. Some of you might have used that time for fasting. Some of you might just praying, hearing what the Lord's saying. Uh, all that combined, maybe. Um, we just want to take a few minutes just before we get into some of the other stuff we want to get to. Is just really, I think it would be hard not to hear if, you know, if you've been hearing something from the Lord, we want to kind of hear that. Um, the body might need to hear that, and we as leadership and uh, eldership might need to hear that. So we just want to take opportunity here what the Spirit of God is saying. So, Lord, I just pray that, God, as we kind of settle into where, God, you're wanting to speak, Lord, what you're wanting to do, what you want to say, God, I, I just pray that, God, if, if some of us have been hearing, and, and, Lord, we just had something in relationship, maybe we've heard some things personally, maybe that's, um, maybe that's not something that you want to share, but maybe you've heard something in relationship to the body, and, Lord, we just want to ask, in Jesus' name, God, if, if that's been the case, God, we want to hear. We want to hear what you're saying, God, as, um, as we've just been fasting and praying and setting our hearts to that. So, Lord, we just thank you for that. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm going to ask if anybody wants to, but, you know, I just think the cool part about, I think the cool part about corporate time of that, prayer and fasting, is it really just brings us to a place of, of you know, really unity and community that you're re- we're hearing together. Yeah, we're, you know, we're setting our hearts apart together. I think that's why the Lord called for those in the Old Testament a lot. And you hear a lot of those corporate fasts that were called to seek the Lord, to set our hearts to Him. And so I, I just want, we just want to hear maybe what the, as you, us as community, as family, I just want to hear what the other parts of the family are hearing. So anybody want to be bold and, and just something that, uh, <laughs> well, you don't have to. You, you can stand up if you're going to be bold or not. That's all right. <laughs> Either way, anybody have anything that they have been hearing in relationship to that they want to share? So for about three weeks now, um, it started about three weeks ago, um, just heard that the spirit was pregnant with celebration. Um, I know for myself, I went through a horrible season that felt like it was going to just completely rob me of every bit of faith that I have, but glory to God, he's faithful and took care of that. So I'm in my my time of celebration now, but even for the whole body, that there's been a lot of people in similar places. And so I, I'm already seeing evidence, even in like the last week, where celebration out of that, that ugly season is starting to break through. And I think there's, it's just the beginning. There's a lot more to come. Amen. Got some celebrating on going on right here. Hi, you all probably heard Jenison Franklin um, talking about the Python spirit. And um, I've been dealing with that for years. And the other night I dreamed I ran over two of them. Hey, nice. (laughs) 
Joe, did you say you wanted to go? <laughs> yeah. I think for me, one thing that came out of it is just, uh, and I was actually discussing this with Ben, um, but I really feel like, you know, taking the kingdom by force. Like, the kingdom of God, I don't know, I'm going to butcher that, that scripture, but what, violent men take it by force? So, um, like, yeah, we're, I don't know. I, there's just a thing of no longer is it okay to sit back and wait for the kingdom to come. Let's go after it. Let's hunger for it. Uh, you know, even after this fast, let's continue to starve and crave and long for and thirst for the kingdom of God and His presence because we are nothing, absolutely nothing without it. And we need it. We need it. We need it. And this, this city needs it. This valley needs it. And we have it. We just have to, you know, continue to hunger for it. We have to be the conduits that tap into the kingdom of heaven and release what's already available. You know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I guess just to go along with that, I just have felt the Spirit um, just asking us to contend. Um, just to contend for the kingdom. And, you know, like we sang this morning, he, Jesus paid the highest price. You know, he paid the highest price that, that we would have communion and fellowship with himself, that we would have the kingdom on earth. So, yeah, I just pray that we wouldn't settle for less than that. You know, he paid for all of it, that we would have all of it. So, there's just, you know, there's, what else are we going to do with our lives, <laughs> you know? You know? What's what's more worthy than that? You know, he's he's worth it. So, and uh, and we need him. Um, I was just thrilled to be in unity with everybody. You know, like I felt like in unity with Ben. I felt in unity with body. I felt in unity with the elders. And I was thinking about this morning when those kids pulled out that um, those matas, and they were, you know. Everyone started clapping, like, with it. And it was really cool to hear because the first few pounds, it was like, you know, it was, like, kind of off. No, we weren't in unity. But then after, like, like just the power of, like, when those claps and those pounds, like, got in unity, it was just really, you know, really strong. I feel like that's one of the things, like, that came out of this. And I'll continue to say, you know, I, I think that's why, you know, I guess I'm a body guy, but. You know, the reality of that, you know, just those tagging in with those that, you know, man, each individual is so important to be able to come into this place, you know, just ready to see the kingdom of God come. Uh, the Lord really convicted me a, f a few months ago just about, you know, it's interesting how I prepare when I'm going to speak and then how I prepare when I'm not going to speak. And I think so many times I come so prepared when I'm going to speak because. I need God to show up, in, you know, in a, you know, in a way that. But do I come that same way when I'm not speaking? And I, I just, want, I just want, 
uh, you know, us to understand and know how important you are to this body, not only just on Sunday, but throughout the week, but, you know, especially as we're coming together in unity, you know, you, there's something in it that BJ was saying this morning, when you lift the name of Jesus up, and, and we're coming prepared in that, man, it's, it sets, a, sets the tone, it's huge. Um, I just want to share, because I really don't usually come to the film meeting, but I'm guilty of that, but I really felt the Lord wanted me here because we had such right through this morning. But last Sunday, Anthony was sick, so I didn't come to church. And I just got in his presence, and I just said, Lord, I just need to hear from you. And um, he said to go back and find the prophetic words that have been given to us, and the church needs to connect nationally and prophetically with the apostolic leadership needs to connect with the north south east and west and apostolic and then i had coffee with bev and she told me that rick went to the conference i just i was like i've been praying for this for this body since i moved here and i know that the first day i came i saw this as an apostolic hub i'm like get ready people these walls are going to come down and you are going to have to seat this whole valley because the apostolic and the prophetic is coming here. It is coming so big, you have to get ready. And I'm just decreeing and declaring that over DP. And I'm so thankful that you got to go to that. I just was like, this is what I've prayed for since I've been here. And I am moving. And I just feel like I had to have that final say of thank you, Jesus, that you went. What she's alluding to, Rick was able to go to a apostolic conference down in Dallas worldwide basically um, I can't remember all the people that were there but it doesn't really matter there was a just a place of impartation in that so he'll be probably sharing in some of that in the up, upcoming days but he's got very similar things on his heart in relationship to what she was saying so Um, first, I just want to affirm what Joe was saying. All during worship, I just kept hearing the violent take it by force, the violent take it by force. As we were singing about the kingdom, so I really feel like something the Lord is saying. The, the other thing I felt like the Lord was speaking for a body was that we began to intentionally and purposely bless our communities, uh, like every day. Just, you know, the, the scripture says, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. And I just have been so convicted of just how much cursing happens towards our communities. You know, I talk to people all the time who leave and they're like, I would, you know, never come back to this city, you know, and they curse it. And I just feel like we have to overpower that. And of course, our words, I, I think, carry much more weight in the spirit, but that we would purposely get up and say, Christiansburg, I declare revival over you. Radford, I declare revival over you. And we would begin to bless our cities. I was reading in Ezra yesterday, and it said that in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, so that he would send proclamation throughout the kingdom, and so that basically it would just go out, and then they would like start um, like building again. And so like I just felt like like God like stirred up that dude 
for that time. And like, what are we, like, we are all being stirred up for like, like what the Lord is doing here. And like that guy, like he was stirred up and then it like went out and like it stirred up so many other people. And so like, I was just feeling that like for us, like, you know, like that's what the Lord is like doing here and stuff. I'm just see this time for the church. It's like it has been planning, planting for a long time, and it's the harvest time. But it's the time to go and pick fields and keep it planting at the same time. I probably know that some of you still have more. You know, I encourage you. Um, we're going to kind of transition. I want to pray, but um, if you have something and. Maybe it doesn't come out in the rest of this time. I just encourage you, just email. Please email that to the office, DPC office. Where's O'Reilly? Oh, there it is. DPCF office or office at DPCF. That's it. Office at our website, right? Basically, dpnrv.org. So anyway, so much for my administrative all right so we're praying so lord thank you for these words god i do thank you that you are stirring god this body god just even just as brady declared god it has been kind of a hard season a crazy season a rough season even a season where many just were in that position where god i don't i don't know if i can take that any longer i don't know where my faith is but god thank you that even in this season, God, you restored and redeemed, God, that you've brought us into that celebration time, brought, brought us into that contending time, God, that we would even just as we maybe end a corporate fast potentially in relationship to tonight, but the reality is, God, we, we just need to continue to contend. We continue to uh, uh, lay down that, uh, that lay down, not lay down in that place of just contentment or just uh, just being satisfied with the status quo, but God, that we would contend for the kingdom, God, that we would uh, take that by force, God, in, in our prayers, in our intercession, God, in our in our stirring one another, God, just as Jen was t- declaring, stirring one another in that, God, and even just as Doug was declaring, God, just in our community, God, stirring that in our community, God, just just seeing it come and, and seeing the seeing the declaration of the enemy defeated, just as we see that vision of just running over those the, that, that that snake, God, in Jesus' name, God, that we would see that, and while that you would tear down the walls of, uh, of this, that we would see the, the community of Christiansburg uh, supernaturally, God, just inundated by the kingdom of God in this place, God, that the walls, the, even the physical walls couldn't hold that, Lord God, and we just ask for that, God, so Lord, and we're just asking in Jesus' name, God, the things that have been stirred, the things that we've heard, Things that are we um, that were even unspoken, God. That I just pray in Jesus' name, God. Let it be. Let Your kingdom come. Let Your will be done in this place. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Um, Leah, Mitch, do I? You know we, uh, you know, God's just doing all kind of crazy stuff and trying to order DP. Can we turn these lights off, please? Um, and one of the big areas of thing that God's been bringing up is women uh, in the body. And uh, so as we started going into this, uh, it's just brought up all kind of craziness in a good way. And 
And so one of my assignments as an apostolic leader, and one of the purposes of an apostle is to lay foundations to deal with doctrinal issues. And uh, so we were dealing with this. And, uh, and all of a sudden, as I wanted, in the points in time when I was researching all this stuff, um, all of a sudden I just became very aware of the injustices that have occurred in history. Uh, first, like um, slavery, the enslavement of the, the black race, and how, um, you know, for centuries, blacks were enslaved. And one of the sad parts about it is the church was one of the biggest proponents of it because of a lack of understanding in the Word of God and how the Word of God bound, fit together. Well, bless God, in the 1860s, you know, when the Civil War occurred, that that, that slavery issue um, was dealt with. But one of the other slavery issues that I feel like that has dealt with partially, but also still in form, is still exists today, is in the enslavement of women. Uh, I.e., first off, think about it this way. You know, we look back at our history in relationship to the United States in the 1700s, and we go, you know, there's a holy, you know, I mean, we believe that the founding documents were God, and God did a lot of great things. But if you think about it from a perspective, if you're a black or a woman, there's some taining there. Because it was not till 1920s, I mean the 1920s, that women first received the right to vote. And as, as things have gone on and preceded even from that in our country, the Church of Jesus Christ, uh, to me, as, as I was going through this, is we have been a proponent of of creating an, in, an, an invisible slavery on women. It was, may not have been physical chains as it was in the black race, but there's been an enslavement in relationship to women. And, uh, and you know, I think God is trying to redeem that in, in recent years and decades. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, just, I was just the fear of the Lord hit me as I was dealing with this, but I did not want to stand in the judgment seat of Christ looking back and going that I was a proponent of slavery. Up to the people I love the most, namely my wife, my daughter, and the other women that are, you know, that are in our lives. And I mean, the fear of the Lord hit me, and I cannot tell you the degree of that. And it's like, Rick, you better get this right. And so that's been in, woven into this. We haven't been in a hurry to this because, y'all, it's, there's been too much repentance going on. We get together and discuss, start to discuss this, and we realize we can't get outside the elders' meeting with dealing with just our relationship with our wives in this. And so, so I, you know, just saying that foundationally, I had you know, some things, some perspectives to speak on this. And so... I mean, when we were... I guess when we first started talking about it and the elders just repented, like the more I'd been praying, I just felt like it was just bigger. Like what we were dealing with was not just for here, it was for something greater than here. And, um, and so I, I just felt that more and more impressed where, where this area of repenting, just like we've, we've stood in the gap before and repented, just for like the issue of slavery, I think when the mass with the the killings at Tech, you know we 
kind of went through and we were repenting for just the massacre and, and things that had gone on, but really standing in the gap. And so I felt like, like we couldn't overlook this greater picture that I felt like the Lord was just really wanting us to come in and stand in the gap for. And I know I was reading this one particular book, and it was just statistics. And it was just grieving when you look, and it just went through every area of the world, and just really the oppression and the slavery and the abuse of women um, and young girls, like just even in China, just where they can only have just a certain amount of kids. And so a lot of times it's the baby girls that, you know, are, are gotten rid of, whether before birth or at. And so just this place where you see it across the board. And I think it just, for me, just hit me as a body, like as a body to really to come in agreement and, and to repent for that. Um, but that it would have a greater effect than just for here and for us. But I also felt like the Lord wanted to loosen just the things that would hold the women back, too. And I know when Christine was here, she she just said, she's like, I feel like there are a lot of women that are in cages, but the cage is open. Like, the cage is open. And so it was this call to, like, come out of this of this cage. And, and I know for me, over the last probably year and a half, like I've realized where the Lord's just been healing up that part of me because I was the third daughter. I was the last try for the son. And of course, so I got, I got all the male names of the family. Lee was Leah. My middle name is, was Withers. Um, so, and like, so realizing that I had taken on this second, like I wasn't the best, I wasn't a son. And, um, but I feel like, once again, that's like greater than just me. And I really had to come and deal with this place where I had backed off because I felt less than. Um, and even my voice, like all these areas. And so I feel like the Lord really, I don't know, the two instances that I was thinking about was like with Joseph. Like I just came to that place where like, like Joseph was enslaved, but like his destiny was not held back by man. And I, that word can be for whether a woman or a man, but really like this place where like, no, um, just like in the areas of rejected, like, like there may have been circumstances in my past that I was rejected, but that's not who I am. And so this place of like coming out of whether it's passivity or just even where there has been abuse, um, you know, where there has been domination, where authority has caused harm, but coming out of that place of like, wow, that is not how my Heavenly Father operates, and that's not who I am. So I feel like it's this also this call for us to like set aside the things that would tell us that, that we're not daughters of the Most High God, you know, that we're not worthy or valued and setting those things aside and and really also that no like our voice is valued and I, I was thinking about Esther like the authority that she was called to in that in that moment and that where she had to step out in that place 
where fear would try to dominate her um, or make her back off. And so I just really feel like these two dynamics that are powerful in the spiritual realm, one of repentance um, and then two of just this place, just as women, just realizing, no, like, our Heavenly Father, like who we are to our Heavenly Father and walking without any hindrance. So, well, I ask the elders if they would come up, please, both male and female. Uh, no, because there's two sides. Because we need to... Males need to pray, and we need to, we're going to stand in a gap, and we're going to repent for the injustices done in this country to ladies, enslavements, uh, the overlooking, uh, uh, you know, uh, the misinterpretation of Scripture to, uh, to hold and enslave, to hinder, and to control, um, to take authority, the principle of authority, and abuse it. We'll talk about it a little later. I mean, just even in our own homes, that's one of the things that God was doing with us, you know, about the valuing. One of the ways that I found really quick, how you want to make Paula feel valued, and that's one of the purposes of husbands, love your wives as Christ, love the church, and then it goes on, love your, husbands, love your wives as you do your own body, that you may nourish her and cherish her, and the word cherish there means to be valued. And so one of the biggest ways that I can cherish Paula communicate to her she's cherished is to listen to her to value her words and one of the ways that we as elders really felt like that we needed to deal with is just in our own homes how that we and our authorities and our authority as the head of the home did not value and so that i mean and then even in this body so um so we just want to repent on that mitch is going to lead us in that and i just ladies what is everyone? And then other men, y'all, that God gives y'all to something to pray on this. You need to pray it, okay? So, so um, Mitchell, start us off, and and then I'll finish it. And then, ladies, y'all need to offer forgiveness. And, and I want to ask, when we get to the ladies' part, ladies, some of you, the Spirit of God is hitting you even right now. And I ask you not to stuff it, because there is intercession over you for, for the past, but also for daughters in the future. So I, when we get to the ladies, I do want to ask the, all the ladies if y'all would just stand, please, where you're at, and and as the as the the ladies pray and and release and forgive. So, okay. So Lord, we just come to you, God, as just men uh, that well, uh, just love you, that just desire your kingdom, yeah. And we just want to come just before you, asking just for forgiveness and asking the women to forgive us, God. In this place, God, just ultimately, God, is where we've been as a, as a nation, where we've been as, as, as a world, as a worldview of women. Just, Lord, as just Leah declared that, God, just what overall oppression has been on them. And so, Lord, we just ask forgiveness, God, just as, as, uh, as men, as, as maybe they've experienced domination or they've experienced abuse or they've experienced misinterpretation of Scripture or whatever that might look like to cause that, Lord, we just want to ask in the name of Jesus that uh, you would forgive us. God, forgive us as men for, for overlooking, for not valuing. Um, Lord, even as we were talking about in the eldership, God, that 
you know, we meet as elders at 6 o'clock in the morning every Tuesday, but God, how many, how many of those involve women, the, the women uh, counterparts of, of our lives, God, the, the, these elder women, God, that walk alongside us, God, and God, we've, we've asked them to forgive us, God, and we ask this body to forgive us, God, for where we have not valued that voice and not, not valued that, um, the women of this body, and so, Lord, we just ask in Jesus' name, God, that you would just break off, Lord, God, that, that devaluing. You'd break off, the Lord, that, that place where they've had to either, they haven't been able to rise up, or maybe they've risen up in, a, in the wrong way, and maybe they've tried to take command or control or whatever that might look like, whatever, you, whatever that might look like in between, God, just where we haven't been able to release them fully to be who they are, God, as a woman of the kingdom, God, as a woman of the kingdom, God. So, Lord, we just ask and we just repent for just uh, really not providing the fullness of that, Lord. We know that our heart is there. Our heart is on a, on a Sunday morning and on any day of the week. God, these women are released. But, God, sometimes even in our desire, our actions don't show that, Lord. And so, Lord, forgive us, Lord, for where we've come up short in that area. God, and just release, release, God, these women. God, release them to, to be able to forgive, but release them to also just declare what Leah's declared, God, who they are, not, not as trying to, uh, Lord, just who they are as daughters of the kingdom, God, who they are. So, Lord, we just pray right now in Jesus' name for forgiveness, in Jesus' name. I'd like to address the women of this body and ask that you do forgive us. We, we repent and recognize um, and ask for your forgiveness for us not having created an environment in this body that allows you to be who God has created you to be. Each one of you has giftings and talents and capabilities and character, and beauty of spirit that God alone has given you to minister in the body of Christ. And if our actions have been in any way hindered your ability to do that in freedom, with assurance, in unity of spirit, we truly ask that you forgive us for that. Because this body will be strengthened to the fullest of its capacity when you're free to minister with the giftings and the capability and the perseverance and the character and nature of Christ that is in you that this body needs. And we ask that you forgive us if any way we've hindered you in being able to do that. And we say to you that as leaders, as elders, and as those who love you and thank you for your perseverance and your patience, and your forgiveness that we want you to be able to do what God has called you to do. To be free when the Spirit of the Lord moves upon you to come up and share what God has put on your heart. To feel like you can. Not to be hindered in any way to say, I can't. So I ask you to forgive us. And we repent for having done that injustice to you in this body. I would ask you to forgive us for where we've quenched instead of empowered.
where we feared and so we controlled. I'm also just hearing as we repent for not being consistent. So then it's unpredictable and you don't feel safe. I just want to add uh, an agreement, first of all, with the, what these men have said, but also for any expectations that that we in our hearts have put on our wives or anybody else, any other woman, be based on culture, based on the way we were raised, any particular roles that we felt that uh, that we of expectation. Because I I understand I see in the in the spirit that you know that, that we we have to drop all that stuff. It's not about the culture, but it's about the Holy Spirit, about what He's doing in our in our lives as families, and in this body. And so, Lord, we ask uh, you, Lord, you just bring freedom from anything that we've done to to put in unrighteous expectations on any woman, any particular roles or expectations that they're pertaining to those those things. So, Lord, uh, forgive us, Jesus. So, Heavenly Father, uh, we just, uh, well, I just want to come, in, come in and stand in the gap for our nation. Lord, first of all, I just want to stand in the gap for the, the body of Christ that exists in this world where it's in places, Lord, in the body of Christ that it's right for a man to beat his wife. Even pastors, Lord, who will beat their wives. Lord, we ask for forgiveness for the ignorance and the injustice in that, Lord. Lord, even in, in other ministry circles that I've ministered in where the wives were just uh, subservient to the husbands, we ask for forgiveness. And Lord, we just cry out, and we, Lord, for, for, the, for the, just I just hear in the, in the courtroom of heaven, Lord, the voice of injustice. And Lord, we cry out for your mercy, Lord, knowing that with you, Lord, there is, you're rich in mercy. So we ask for forgiveness. So mercy may be applied and on it, grace may be given. That we may go to places that we cannot achieve on our own. And so, Lord, we just, uh, we cry out for forgiveness and we cry out for that mercy. In Jesus' name. So I want to ask the ladies if they would please and, uh, stand. Many of you ladies get something to pray. Okay. <laughs> but Father, you know our hearts, and um, Father, um, you know that our choice is to forgive, um, not just these men, but men through the years, um, uh, husbands, fathers, uh, brothers uh, that have uh, given us programming that we're not enough. And Father, we just pray that you heal our hearts in the areas where we can't. Uh, the programming that still is speaking lies to us. I just pray that you would just um, 
go in those areas and just uh, help us to be free. And Lord, I just know that that there are a lot of women, Lord, that right now are shutting down because they don't they don't want to deal. And uh, Father, I just ask you to forgive us for that, and I just pray that you would just release us to freedom, and that you would just minister healing to our hearts, and that you would just set us free. And we just thank you for the men in our life that have have taken the boldness to to see where they're wrong and repent. And again, I just ask you to give us the grace to forgive and to operate in freedom. In Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive us, me, as a woman, and all the women here that can agree with this. Father, I ask you to forgive us for a spirit of unworthiness, that we're not worthy of love, that we're not worthy to be equal with men, that we're not worthy of even being beautiful, Lord. Lord, I ask you to forgive us of self-hatred, Lord, of paralysis, Lord. I ask you to forgive us, Lord, of not being able to move, Lord, of intimidation, Lord, of receiving, Lord, that we can't have, we have a voice, Lord. I ask you to forgive us for not speaking when you've told us to speak. Lord, I ask you to forgive us, Lord, for unforgiveness towards husbands and brothers and fathers. Lord, because we took on a victim mentality, Lord, I ask you to forgive us of being victims. Lord, that's not who you made us to be. Lord, I ask you to forgive us in Jesus' name for, for um, doubt discouragement, hopelessness, despair, unbelief, and depression. I ask you to forgive us of condemnation and guilt and shame. I ask you to forgive us, Father, for being ashamed of who we are as women. Lord, because we weren't men, we weren't the sons our fathers wanted. Lord, we weren't able to compete in the workplace with men. I ask you for, to forgive us for all the bitterness coming out of these areas as well. Father, I ask you to forgive us of all the idolatry of men, idolatry of husbands, idolatry of relationships. Lord, where we put our relationship with our husband or, or with just any relationship before our relationship with you, we ask you to forgive you of that idolatry, Lord. Because we're to be equal, we're not to put them on a pedestal. Lord, we ask you to forgive us in Jesus' name for all accusation and false judgments against the men in our lives and against you, Lord, for putting the men in our lives. Lord, we ask you to forgive us for any thoughts that we've had that, that you were the author of the hurt in our life. We know that you weren't, but we just ask you to forgive us for those sins as well. Father, we ask you to forgive us in Jesus' name as women. Lord, for comparison, comparing ourselves with our sisters. Lord, for competition, for envy, for jealousy. Lord, we ask you to forgive us, Lord, in Jesus' name. For criticism and complaining, for, for rejection, for abandonment, for isolation, for betrayal, for unloving for self-hatred, for self-bitterness, self-judgment, self-condemnation, self-guilt, and self-shame, fear of God, ungodly fear of God, I mean, and fear of man. And we ask you to forgive us in Jesus' name for fear of destroying the works of the kingdom of darkness from ourselves and our families and taking our true place of intercession. 
Lord, we thank you that you forgive us as women for all these sins against you and against our husbands and the men in our life. And, and Lord, we release these men. In Jesus' name, we choose to release them in forgiveness. We choose to release them from all condemnation and guilt and shame. We choose to release ourselves from these things as well. And we choose to re release our families and our generations. We declare the blood of Jesus draws a line and it ends here and now in our families and our generations in Jesus' name. I just want to pray um, about all the ministers over the years that have come against women preachers and said that they had to sit and be silent in church and that there was no such thing as a woman preacher and that we would forgive them for blocking moves of God that these women had to bring to the body of Christ. By us. Well, we receive it and be seated. Um, I just uh, wanted just to share just really quick of uh, my, I guess my testimony just in the last few weeks as we've been really walking through this as uh, with the elders and in these meetings and you know, to be quite honest, I came with my guns a-blazing. I mean, and the men would be so gracious and say, like, oh, no, you didn't. And, um, but, you know, I really did. And I, I think I, I was really just my testimony is coming from a place of have feeling the injustice of from the world, you know, just men being abusive from the world, but also in church and um, really silencing my voice and um, lot, and I know that y'all are finding that hard to believe because you're like, dear Jesus, help us all if Tammy's been silenced. What are we waiting for? No. But um, I will say certain arenas, such as meetings, um, you know, that I get really intimidated in. So the Lord just really started stirring some things in me and I want to tell you that as a woman and being in the place in this body, what a beautiful walk and journey that it has been so far. And I, for one, haven't made it the easiest and the cleanest, and um, which is, is beautiful. But I've always been received with love and corrected with love and uh, guided with love and just loved all around in this body really, for the last 10 years that we've been here, but even more so in the last few weeks as I've come in and been like, well, blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, 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 you know, and I just wanted, I felt like the word that I wanted to share with you as women and as men is that one thing that I've come out of this, even the last few weeks, is that this is a safe place, and that, um, the, everyone doesn't have all the answers, and um, they, they don't have everything together all the time. But one thing that I have experienced is that it's been a safe place 
It's been a safe place for me as a woman to express my heart, express my injustice, express even like my anger and frustration, and express even my wrong views. And be just, just really uh, loved in all of those processes and empowered at the same time. So that was what I wanted to say. Jared, can I give me a hand? Well, uh, there's some things that we need to go through. And like, ma'am, I'm sorry, what was your name? I'm sorry. Yes, ma'am. Donna. Donna prayed or spoke that, I, you know, when we start taking, talking about women in ministry, there or women in the church, there's some truth that we need to establish. And, y'all, I, I'm a person that I've got to have faith to function. I, I can only function in faith. You see me passive, you're seeing me, I'm shrinking back in faith. And, and, uh, and so, and, and faith comes from what? Hearing and hearing the Word of God. And too, many, too long there's been passages of Scripture that we're going to address and deal with tonight. Like you quoted the 1 Corinthians chapter 14 passage that the word would come, oh, that's just cultural. Paul was dealing with the cultural issue. I, the word of God is not cultural. It's eternal. So I can't use that argument. And so it's pressed us to really intensely evaluate the word of God in a way that we've never, I've never, we've never done before. And uh, may have to, you know, couples, share these with couples if you can, because I don't know how many we've got out. And so, now y'all, I am giving you notes that has come, this is raw, and, and I, I'm just going to tell you, you've got to hear our heart in this, that there's nothing hidden that we're dealing with. You're hearing, you're, you've got the raw information that we're processing up to this point in time. This is not going to be complete. There's some, there's some things that we've got to go through in this, but... You know, before us to go forward, we want to make sure we're operating according to the Word of God because I believe the Word of God, like I said, is eternal. But also the Word of God is power, releases the power of God. But also the Word of God protects. And I've discovered down through the years anything that's not in line with the Word of God is an open doorway for the enemy to come and kick butt. And that's why many times you hear me, I get so squeaky in relationship to the Word of God. So... I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go through in detail through this, these notes, but there's some highlights that I want to pick out. And like I said, I, you've got to excuse this. This is raw. This has come from the last few weeks of uh, trying to verbalize what God is speaking to us. Can I just say, too, I, I know that where Dave Cunningham, when he was here nine months ago, spoke to us as elders. Christine spoke to us as elders. Driscoll sort of spoke to us as elders. And that uh, it's been a journey. It's, this isn't, some of this has come out in the last three weeks, but this has really been about a nine-month discussion of hearing. That's good. I, wanna, I, I do want to start, the pages are numbered, and, but you'll see on the first part right here, I want to just go, and I do want to start at the beginning. Because, uh, and I want to highlight in Genesis one twenty six where it says, you know, God says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And then he goes on, and then he's, in verse 27, he says, 
He says, male and female, he created he them. It's really a crazy statement. Male and female, he created he them. In other words, when he created Adam, he created Adam to be whole in relationship to male and female. Now, let me pause in this as I go on. Um, there are people that are gifted within, within the body of Christ as a whole that are single. And so the wholeness of Jesus will be manifested in their lives. But those are, there, are, there are those of us that, as you'll notice in Genesis 2.18, where God looked and he saw Adam and he said, in English it says it's not good for man to be alone. But that Hebrew word there literally means it's not, in literally, the Hebrew word literally translates it's not good for man to be a piece or a part. And so here Adam is, you know, God created him to be like this, but here he is walking in the garden. And God goes, it's not good for that boy. He is a piece. And, uh, and, in the, and it goes on to say, and in the English it says, I will make a helper suitable for him. And that sounds literally sweet, don't it? But that's, it literally, the next phrase in the Hebrew literally means, I will make for him the corresponding part. Because see, what happened was God created male and female. He created he, them. For, their, for people like Burby, I'm going to throw it on Burby. <laughs> he's walking around and he's a piece. And, and God took Burby and he put him on a rock and he said, all right, name the animals. <laughs> and so Burby named the animals. And in that, Adam <laughs> looked and, and he said, he, it's interesting, after he named all the animals, he said, it says this, there was not found a helper suitable for him. Literally in the Hebrew it says, there was not found the corresponding part. So literally as he's naming the animals, two things, God's given authority to put identity to the animals, but the second thing he's doing, he's looking for the part. Because God never gives you something until you know you need it. Because if you don't know you need it, you'll abuse it. And so Adam realizes there's no part. You know, dog's man's best friend. No, that's not true. You know, the dog is not the corresponding part. And so God took a rib, and interesting thing, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth, and we know that Hebrew word, it literally means simple construction, like making clay pots. Well, it goes on in Genesis 2. It says that the Lord God took a rib and fashioned it into the woman. That's the Hebrew word, it, it, I mean the English word, it's saying fashioned, which is pretty cool. But the word, it literally is a word that means complex construction. Man simply made out of dirt and woman is, is complexly made out of a rib. And those who are married that know that that reality of that, how many times we look at our wives and they're saying something to us and we're going, I don't understand. And I did that one time. I was fussing with the Lord. It says, Lord, why did you make it where the, the simple was to take care of the complex? It should be that the complex takes care of the simple. And God said to me this. He says, because you need me. And I go, okay, God. So when we talk about women in the church, and that's, that's so crucial because it was interesting. You remember when Joni was here with Chris a while back and what Joni said that she, when she saw Doug, Doug and, 
Doug picked them up at the airport, and Doug and Monica and went with us to take Chris and Joni and the rest of them, the leadership, to, uh, to supper. And, and so Joni sees Doug there with the context of Monica and stuff like that. So Doug comes up to Monica, uh, Joni on Friday night, and, and all of a sudden Doug comes up to Joni like he's known her all his life and says, hey, Joni, how you doing? And Joni's going, who is this? Kind of feeling a little uncomfortable. And then Doug comes up on Saturday night and, hey, Joni, how you doing? Such and such. And going, who is this? And then Doug, on Sunday morning, you probably remember me sharing it, but all of a sudden Joni looks and she sees on the worship up here on the, on the floor, she saw Doug and Monica. And he, she goes, that's who that is. That's, that's Doug. And the Lord just really... When she spoke that, I think it was a prophetic word because it was a prophetic atmosphere and that Lord was just saying, the fullness of the recognition of God when male and female he created, he them cannot be fully seen apart from our wives. Now, like I said a while ago, y'all, those are, so, those are of you who are single, God, God is your whole. So you don't, you're not apart like Burby. So, size <laughs> one. All right, can't resist look for opportunities but anyway so in this so so when we start in the beginning we've got to keep this in mind that the expression of the of the of the i'm going to say it this way the female part of the heart of god has to be expressed and uh and it's interesting to me that when you look back in revival history and one of the one of the big revivals that hit was in the late 19 i mean early 1900s out of the, the Azuzu Street Revival. And one of the really big things about the Azuzu Street Revival was all prejudices were gone. Black or white, women or men. It was kind of crazy. And revival broke out in that environment. And so, uh, so you see... Uh, that literally, when if y'all notice in that passage of scripture in Matthew 19, 16, what it says, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Well, I didn't realize that, but that word yoke there, that word joined together literally means to be yoked together as oxen in a plow. And you got to realize, what God has yoked together, let no man separate. Well, y'all, I want to say this, that in the body of Christ, we've been operating, we've been operating on a yoke, so the oxen and the and we have not fully released the female part of that yoking. I know that in relationship to Paula, that's true. And so, and so, and you think about the First Peter three seven, where it says, "Husbands, um, you know, um, my mind goes blank. Um, treat the women as a weaker vessel." And it goes on to say, "Grant them honor as a fellow heir." of the grace of life. So there's a commission with God with us to grant women honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. An interesting thing the next phrase says in that passage in 1 Peter 3, 7, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So if we are not granting honor to the women in our lives, as fellow heirs of the grace of life, our prayers will be hindered. That's how serious this is. So anyway, and, and I would, if you would, if you got your Bibles, 
Look in with me in a passage of scripture that we need to address, and there's some things we need to deal with here. In Galatians chapter 3, this is a passage of scripture that, that, uh, that we need to deal with here. Because in the beginning, and in, in Christ, in relationship to distinction and identity, in distinction in relationship to identity and inheritance, there is no distinction. And that's where this past scripture in Galatians chapter 3 uh, is, is spoken. Um, where, where thou is, this passage, uh, 326, sorry. Yeah. It says uh, in verse 25, But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For you all are baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now get that. You're baptized into Christ. Into Christ. Notice in 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Hear that. For you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. Well, who is this that, that is all sons of God? Verse 28. For there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither man, neither is there... There's neither nor free man, neither is there male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So y'all from the beginning, and also in Christ Jesus, there is no distinction between male and female in relationship to identity, in relationship to inheritance, in relationship to being in relationship to the image of God. Okay? Now, there's some, there's some truth that you could speak in relationship to that. I could go to 1 Corinthians 11, but uh, that could go off a little bit, but I don't want to go there right now. Uh, but, so it's important for us to establish this foundation. No distinction. But there is a distinction in relationship to, uh, to order. Now, it's very important you catch this because and we got to hear this right. Because in 1 Corinthians 11, 3, it says this, that, that, uh, that Christ is the head of the man, and the man is the head of the wife, and God is the head of Christ. And so you're seeing an ordering. And in, in it... And it carries it in First Timothy, carries it all the way back into creation, you know, in First Timothy 2.13, where it says that it was man that was created first. Now here uh, is very important. Two things that happen is that I speak this. There is, no, there, is no, there is a distinction in the ordering of relationships. Okay, but you've got to hear me in this. Because if you're not careful, you will interpret this according to the traditions of men or according to the word of God, or you will interpret it in relationship to your hurts. Because in the home, the husband is the head of the wife. And y'all, um, you know, there was one of the books that I was reading that had to do with source, but that, that's partly true. But when you get into Ephesians chapter 5, it correlates headship in relationship to submission. The Greek word for submit just literally means to order under. But it's an authority issue. And now, but y'all, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, and I'm going to turn it there so I make sure that I get this clearly. And this is what's so important. In Matthew chapter 20, 
Jesus said this. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentile lorded over them. Their great men exercise authority over them. It is not so among you. So authority, to have authority is not to be lording over. Two places in relationship to leadership in the church, it is explicit. It says, do not lord over. In the kingdom of God, it's not to be over, it's to serve. I know you've heard me say this before. And that's where you'll notice in the notes there that when we talk about in this age, there is an exercise to be an exercising authority in relationship to the men, husbands and wives, and also leadership in the church. Now, y'all, there's some things here. You've got to make sure you don't make conclusions of what I just said there. But that, y'all, that has got to do with the ultimate of expressions of love and sacrifice. Because just like in that verse 26, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So to be in the place of head means is to serve, is to build up, is to regulate the flow of power, is to be accountable for, is to protect, and is to influence in a, in a manner. It is never to lord over. It is never to dictate. It is to serve. And God told me to do something, to really speak something here. So I'm going to ask Pat and Tom if you would come up here. Can you get that for me, babe? And I'm going to ask Bev Taylor if she would come here. And I really just, Lord told me to do this, so we're going to be obedient to do this. Bev, if you would come here. Bev is a widow in our church. Tom and Pat and I and Marcus here. We'd be elder elders in this place. Now he's calling me old. (laughs) (laughs) But the expression of authority is for us to wash the feet. That is, if we're if we have any authority in our in lives, uh, in in Bev's life, is to wash her feet. Not to what? Lord over. Any other lady in this church, our role is to wash the feet. And so, Bev, can we wash your feet? For those of you who don't know, Bev has been a very, very special lady in our life for. 40 years, 40 years, and it's a privilege, it really is a privilege to be able to wash her feet.
the Lord, we just honor Bev as a as a important part of this body. And Lord, we just take the authority that you have given us. Lord, we stand in the gap as we just prayed for, Lord, for forgiveness for the places that authority is lorded over. But Lord, as I pray that as we do this, as we have done this, we pray that it be an imputation in Bev's heart and the others in this body that if they're under authority, the most powerful thing it can be for them is to be under because it's an opportunity to be served. That we bless. Now, what in a show? I'm just trying to be obedient to the Lord because what that has got to be what authority is. And uh, for, for us. So when, uh, when we start talking about authority, we've got to have new paradigms. Because uh, I, I want to say something. Uh, we were meeting with Janelle one day. And Janelle said, uh, that's a really good question. She said, first off, you know, the role of a wife is to submit. Well, what if the authority over me is not, you know, maybe under the Lord? And the response was, it don't matter. The matters is that you're in the most powerful place you can be is to submit. It says in 1 Peter 3, 7, wives, submit to your husbands even if, you're dis- even if they're disobedient to the word. What it's saying there is that the most safest places to be is in a heart of submission. God sees that. He knows there's protection there from the Lord. He'll fill the gap. I want to say this. Submission is the most powerful place you can be. Because what did the Roman centurion say to Jesus when he needed his servant to be healed? He said, I too am a man under authority. See, in the kingdom of God, the thing we want to think is the most powerful place is to have authority. No, the most powerful place to be in the kingdom of God is to be under authority. And I want to say this, y'all. I don't want a guy in ministry with me that's not under authority. I don't care whether it's a woman or a guy. It don't make no difference. Because if you look in 1 Corinthians, I mean, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it talks about submit to one another, both male and female. So, so really what I wanted to express is, y'all, in relationship to identity and inheritance and image of God, there is no distinction between male and female. But in relationship to ordering, there is a distinction. And Satan is trying to take it out because of the abuses of authority, even in this body, y'all. But, y'all, we cannot do away with this because, let me tell you something, I've got to exercise the authority that God has given me in relationship to my wife. I know what it's like to not exercise my authority to protect her in some of the most painful moments in our lives have been when I have not served her in relationship to that authority. And some of the most painful moments in our life is when she said, I am a woman, hear me roar, and I ain't going to submit unto you. And so there is, you know, so this, it's, it's, it's an expression of love. And this can never be, hear it again, and I can't tell you how many times I can say it, there's never a lording over. 
So in the body of Christ, you'll see this ordering. In fact, the Greek word, like I said, for submission is to order under. And that's a huge word in the, as it goes through the expressions of the body, order, meaning to set in line. And there's two areas that we need to express and make sure that there's clear understanding is. In relationship to the ordering of ministry, the word of God is clear. There is no distinction. In relationship to manifestations of the spirit, in 1 Corinthians 11, it says women prophesy. In relationship to, uh, um, to gifts of the spirit, women are prophets. There's no distinction in relationship to gifts. Like in Acts chapter 20, uh, um, um, some dude had four daughters who were prophetesses. Who was the guy? It wasn't Agabus. It was the other guy. Philip, yeah, Philip had four, four daughters who were prophetesses. They were prophets. They had a, a gift of the prophetic. In relationship to ministries, fivefold ministries, there, is a clear, there, there are women who are apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers. So in relationship to ministry, there is no distinction. In order of relationships, in the governing of the home, and the church is nothing more than a home, y'all. There, you'll see some distinctions, and it's only in relationship to authority. And again, I want to tell you, I'm going to repeat it. The authority is not to lord over, it's to wash people's feet. Isn't it? Am I right? And that's where there needs to be much mercy and grace, y'all, in this. Because any point in time that you feel lorded over and not empowered, like I said, one of the purposes of, 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 of authority is to empower. Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians chapter, um, well, two places, 13, 8, and I can't remember the other one. But he says, I exercise authority not for tearing down, but for building up. So as we exercise our authority, it's got to be, in any male authority has to be in a relationship to, to authority to build up. But ladies operate, you'd operate in authority too, in leadership. There is that in the body. Phoebe. And I'll talk a little bit about that a little later, but there's a couple, two past scripture that we're going to focus on tonight that we've got to get rid of, we've got to deal with. If we're going to talk about women in ministry, women in the church, we've got to deal with two past scripture. She quoted it earlier. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you would, if you have your Bibles, turn there, please. And if you'll look at your notes, you'll see where it's on page, uh, I don't have page numbered, but it looks like that. And, I'm probably, and it's got... You'll see it right out of an inland linear that I copied and pasted. Um, there's two places to copy paste, but it's a long one. And you'll see it, problem passages. Four, 1 Corinthians 14. And it's the proverbial one, y'all. It's the biggie. And we got to deal with it. Watch the time. Yes, I got to watch the time. I gotta hurry because we're not gonna be able to get all these things tonight. But I gotta, we gotta answer these questions, like Donna prayed it in First Corinthians fourteen, verse thirty-four. Let the women keep silent in the church, for they are not permitted to speak, but let them subject themselves, just as the law also says. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Was it from you that the, the word of God went forth, or has it come to you only? Okay. 
That was 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting verse 34 through verse 36. What are we going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Well, it's three passages of Scripture that we've got to deal with in order. And I want to come back. I want to start at the last one, verse 36. And we're going to come back. Because I want you to notice verse 35, 36 says, Was it from you that the word of God come forth first? Or has it come to you only? It's a, that is a rebuke, y'all. He's saying, was it from you that the word of God come forth? Or has it only come to you? Well, y'all, the, uh, the uh, nouns that are in that are all mask. The word that's used where you consider gender, gender distinction, they're masculine. So this is a rebuke to men. Oh, is it to you that the word of God has come forth? Was it to you, one and only, for you only? Why is he rebuking? Because watch this. Let's go back to 34 then to see what he's saying. Let the women keep silent in church, for they're not permitted to speak, but let them subject themselves just as the law also says. Well, let's drop off the C part of that, just as the law also says. For they're not permitted to speak, but let them subject themselves. Well, y'all, I'm about to say something. It's, I just about, about feeling nervous saying it as I ever could ever feel it. I firmly believe that the word of God, in the inerrant word of God, in the, in the original manuscripts. The problem is manuscripts. I mean the inter- translations. God-fearing, Bible-believing men and women have translated the Word of God. But it's, that's why you look the King James. People hail the King James. I can take you and show you the King James, and I can show you mistake after mistake in the translations of the King James Version. I can show you mistake after mistake in relationship to the, to the New American Standard. Well, it's just got to face it. But I have a confidence in the Word of God in relationship to the original manuscripts. And you go, well, well I, I can't read Greek. Yeah, you can. That's why before I ever went to seminary, he asked Paul, I'd carry books around with me all the time. I mean, I carry a Vines Expository, a, a, in a linear, and a Strong's Concordance. And where I'd go, I'd carry those three books. I could check the Word of God for myself. The interesting thing is we were looking at this passage of Scripture. If you'll notice in that part that you see I took at the in a linear, the question is, the ooh. You see right in the middle of that, it's the not. That's a negative. And you'll notice be silent is on the before the negative. And after there's this gar and, uh, and then, then the, the word in relationship to allow to permit. And so what happens is, is when they've translated this, the common way to translate it is you put the negative with the, the latter verb. That's a verb. And so a woman's not permitted to speak. But I researched it. And y'all, what you do, what I had to do, what I did was I took every place in the New Testament that a negative was used and saw how it was used. Now y'all, 
Think of how many times not has been used in the New Testament. We're talking about hundreds of times. So to try to evaluate and look at this, and a few times in the New Testament, what can happen is the, the ooh goes to the first verb. And if that is the case, in which I believe wholeheartedly, it says this way. It says, do not, the woman is not to be silent in the church. Let her speak. And then it goes on to say, well, we've got to deal with this other part. For the law, just as the law also says, y'all, nowhere in the law of Scripture is there this exhortation. A woman is to be silent and to submit themselves. Nowhere in the Old Testament. He's quoting a tradition. And that's where, where did I, where's it at? That's where you'll notice here right at the bottom where you'll see where I said there. Notice these Greek, this, these are traditions out of the day. The Greeks said, the woman is silence and obey. I reference these things because you know it's just not just where this comes from. Silence gives grace to a woman. Aristotle spoke that. The Romans were going, keeping at home and keeping silence. And, uh, wait a minute, where's the other one? This one is interesting. This Roman playwright in the day said, Married women are to watch silently, laugh silently, check the tinkle of their voices, keep their chatter for their home. And woman's always worth more seen than heard. The Jewish rabbis of the day, they, your silence is fairer than thy speech. The silent wife is a gift of the Lord. A woman's voice is in a sexual incitement, therefore a woman's voice is indecent. That's what Paul's quoting. He's quoting traditions of the men. And then that's why he comes along, he says in verse 36, and it's when he rebukes the men and he goes, was it from you that it came only? Don't keep the women silent in the church. I just say this, woman, you are loosed. Let's go to 1 Timothy passage. I wholeheartedly believe this, y'all. I thought I was getting nervous because I was scared that we, you know, are we the only ones that do this? When I started looking at the Word of God, and I started researching and hearing what other scholars have been dealing with, like a guy named like Gordon Fee, who is a famous New Testament theologian, uh, really very conservative, and he's in line with some of the stuff we're saying here. In fact, you see me, see me quoting him. How about this First Timothy passage? In First Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. It says, let a woman quietly receive instruction with entire submission. Well, that word quiet there does not mean to be silent. In fact, it's the same Greek word that's used in verse, chapter 2, verse, verse 2. And when it's speaking to men, 
for kings and all who are authority in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life. That's the same Greek word. So it's not in this passage starting off, it's saying that a woman is not to be silent. It's just this heart of being at peace. That word quiet there has this connotation of being at rest, being at peace. But look at verse 12. There, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Let's let's break it down first. Teach. I do not allow a woman to teach a man. Now, y'all, it would not be cool for Kevin. Say, Kevin goes, oh, well, I I really want to go on my relationship with the Lord further. And for Paula to pick it up and disciple Kevin. That would not be cool. Nor is it cool for me to pick up and say, you know, um, know, Ingrid wants to go on with the Lord. Well, I'm going to disciple Ingrid. Because I'll show you that passage of Scripture. That's in Titus. And that's what this exhortation is. The Greek word there is a present and infinite that it means continuous action. You can chart verbs, Greek verbs out. And what you do is they'll either be point action or they'll be continuous action. And when you hear of a present tense either an infinitive or, or whatever. I mean, I'm not trying to pressure, but I'm just saying. Present tense, it just means continuous action. It does not mean a woman cannot teach a man. Point action. Some of the most powerful words that I have, that I, things that have taught me things have been women who have taught the Word of God. And I'm going, they say, taught it. I'm going, wow, it just hit my heart. Revelation came. Can you tell how many times Minnie Coleman rebuked the snot out of me? Paula's shaking her head. She taught me. She spoke into me. Point action. Be wrong for Minnie to go, oh, I'm going to disciple you. Because how can a woman teach a man to be a man? No more than a man can teach a woman to be a woman. One of the greatest, one of the weirdest injustices that occurred in dwelling places is me teaching the ladies' Bible study in years back. And then when I taught them on emotions, that was when it really got squirrely. I was going, Jesus, what am I doing here? And y'all ladies, some of y'all were there and remember that. So it does not mean that a woman cannot teach a man. It's just, it's not this place of continuous action. How about this word authority? Now y'all, oh, me a pen, babe. Yeah, voice. Yeah. I hear a voice. Does the word teach there have anything to do with, um, like when you break down the word discipline? Does that have any connection or correlation there too? Or no? Greek word for paideia. Or, you know, paideia. Um, now, like I, like I was saying, this word teach, if I charted verbs out, it's like point action. If it, if you used the aorist tense, point action. If it was like, I would that a woman not teach a man, and it uses aorist tense, that'd be point action. It'd be wrong for many to teach me if that's what it said, but that's not what it said. 
If I just charted un, present tenses, continuous unbroken action. Now, how about this word exercise authority? The verb tense is the same in relationship to exercise authority. But I want to show you this. The normal Greek word for authority is exosia. That's the word that is used everywhere in the New Testament. But the interesting thing about this Greek word here about exercise authority, it's not a word about exercise authority. And I, I uh, um, is it in there? Yeah. If you'll notice in the, this page where 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, where you, if you'll notice, I'm going to read the phrase. Also, the phrase authority is not the Greek word exousia, which is the normal word for authority. The Greek word is used as authentic. No one's noticed it. And I just copied this directly out of the, what I think is the most reliable Greek dictionary that I use. It's very conservative. God did it with Spiros Zodiades, which is a very conservative um, Greek scholar. And notice what he says. It's from the Greek word authenteo. Um, it's, it's, uh, it literally means from authentes, murder, absolute master, which is from the, Greek, from the word autos, himself, entes, entia, from arms or armor. Literally, a self-appointed killer with one's own hand. One acting by his own authority or power. Governing a genitive to use, exercise authority or power over as an autocratic domineering. That's that word. And Paula, we were talking about this in the elders meeting, and Paula goes, you know, you know, the root word of this mean has the thing of murder. And Paula, you know, you know, and going, well, you know, what is that? Well, Paula goes, when we emasculate men, it's about the same thing. That's what it is. It's where you get a woman gets dominating and her goal is to protect herself and what she does is she'll operate in a manner to emasculate man. And that's what Paul's addressing here. So that like where, let's just use this example. Uh, um, Bev operates, Bev and Kathy operate in, in, in the area of the internship program. And you got Jesse who was in the internship program. Jesse being in the internship program and Bev being in authority over him, that is not a violation of that. Now, if Bev started emasculating Jesse, that would be the whole other issue. But that is not the Greek word where it says to, to have authority over. It would be exousia. And I'm, y'all, I'm not stretching it. I just took it directly out of there. And see, that's the problem, y'all that what has happened is we've taken English translations and we have interpreted and applied things in relationship to women down through the years. And as a result, there's been this uh, women who have really sincerely believed the Word of God, want to be obedient to the Word of God, want to be obedient to God. And so out of misunderstanding of the Word of God, they've been captivated held captive. Now, y'all, I'm going to say this. 1 Corinthians 11.10, and I'm winding down with this. It does say that a woman ought to have authority over her head because of the angels. There is a place in the ordering, 
in creation, that where man was created first and in that place, God gave that authority not to lord over, but to what? Protect, accountability, build up, to serve, to regulate the flow of power and to, to be a to leadership place to influence. And now, I mean, these are some of the things that we're wrestling with right now. We are not through. You, you've got our notes, and you'll find probably more questions than you will answers in there. We, uh, y'all, we, we've got questions like, we know without a shadow of a doubt women can be deacons. We know Phoebe was a deacon. Phoebe was a leader. She stood. Paul called her, and, you, uh, and I, I don't think I had a chance, in Romans chapter 16. It's very interesting when you see what Paul calls her there in Romans 16. Um, let me get there and we're going to close shop because we run out of time. In 16, I commend you to our sister Phoebe who is a servant. Literally, Greek word is deacon, not deaconess. I, I repent here. I made a mistake. I translated and I told you that was the feminine form of the word deacon. It was not a feminine form of the word deacon. It is the masculine form of the word deacon. She was a deacon in the church. Okay? Just you feed the qualifications in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse like uh, 7 or 8 following. But it goes on and it says, a servant of the church, a deacon of the church, like it says in Philippians chapter 1, that you receive her in the Lord in a worthy of the saints, that you help her in whatever manner she may have need of you. For she herself has been a helper of many. That Greek word for helper is a Greek word that means to stand before, to lead. And notice what it says, what she says here. She's been a helper of many and myself as well. Times that where Phoebe would stand and she was a, she was a deacon in the church there with authority standing before and leading. It's not the normal word for lead, but it's a very powerful word that has, and I can't remember if I put it in the notes here, but it's a very powerful word. So, y'all, what, what we know, what we're really trying to process out is, is that, you know, how does, this, how does this ordering, we know ministry, we just speak women, flow in it. But it always, but remember, the most very powerful thing in relationship to flowing in ministry is submission. It's really, you know, even me as an apostolic leader, y'all, I isn't there. Yes, I'm an apostle. Wow. Woo! Uh, but, but, y'all, I submit. One of the things that happens is, is that once a church gets started, and like in Titus one five or or in Acts uh, fourteen. When one of the roles of apostolic leadership is to appoint elders in the church. And what happens is, is the church transitions and starts. The authority of the apostle then exercises that authority to establish elders. And that's a mature church. And that's why you'll see, well, Peter would refer to himself as an apostle in 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1, but by the time he gets to 1 Peter 5, he refers to himself as an elder. And I'm submitted to the elders in this body. 
And y'all, I've had to repent more times than it's, even lately, I'm just going, I'm so used to just being so, I'm going to use this term, autocratic. And, uh, you know, you know, and so, you know, and so I had to go back, okay, you guys, okay, okay. You know, even, I'm trying, God's just holding me to this place that I'm submitting in every facet of my ministry. And so, so, Jesse. Doing my stuff on my own. Yeah, I'm, I do it on my own, I, you know? So, and so, you know, it's not, that's why y'all, that's why that we, we spend, we don't have time, we were supposed to, we were going tonight, Tom really felt like we needed to really speak something about fivefold and how it functions, and we'll do that at a later date. Uh, but, uh, um, um, but I just want you to realize, in relationship to ministry, there's no distinction. Male or female, in relationship to manifestations, gifts of the Spirit, or ministries, there's no distinction, male and female. Within the, the ordering of relationships, there is a distinction. It's in relationship to authority. But again, our, you already heard me what I said about authority. And the picture that God told us to give, we've got to allow that to be burned into the fabric of dwelling place, that to be an authority means to wash people's feet. Even, not even that, the more authority you have, you die for. So to be the head of Paula does not mean, Paula, you know, I'm coming home tired. You need to submit. You need to get me a sandwich and bring my slippers, please. You laugh. That happens in Big Stone Gap. In God-fearing homes. Woman, submit. That ain't with that. That's if Paula comes in and she says, Rick, I'm tired. Will you go get my slippers? <laughs> because you're the head. <laughs> Do what? Of course I will. You remember me telling you the story? I'll close with this. Paula and I are at a restaurant. Did I tell you all this one? Did I tell you all that? I'm at a restaurant, that Chinese restaurant over there by the food line on North Main. You know, so we got our Chinese food. We're sitting at a little table there and they got the fountain drink machine. And I'm sitting there eating, and Paula's eating, and I'll, Paula slides her cup across the table and says, Rick, will you go get me some water, please? So I reached out, and, and I, all of a sudden, it hit me, you know. You know how you start thinking real quick in your mind? I'm going, who does she think she is? She's got two legs. She can get up and get her water herself, you know, as I'm carrying this cup of water across the room. You know? I'm just, I mean, what she got keep, you know. And then I'm getting the water, and the Lord says, you're the head. <laughs> a couple of years ago. <laughs> and I mean, I'm going, you know, you're the head, serve. Oh, God. <laughs> so on the way back, I'm going, Jesus, forgive me for my attitude. <laughs> Here, babe, here's your water. <laughs> and she don't know anything has transpired. I mean, here I am in between the table, the water fountain, and back, God impressed into me what it meant to be head. If she wants water, you get it, boy. Or else your prayers will be hindered. So anyway, you hear the heart of what we're trying to get through? The whole time here, y'all, it's not some dictatorial thing in EDOC that we're speaking down there. We're giving you this stuff that you can wrestle with, with us in this subject. Ted. As you're talking about all this, I'm just thinking this is true in our relationship to you as the church. 
in how we submit to you, or we haven't or failed to in the past. That we're, a, we're you know, if I look at my wife and I say, wow, she's in a great position to submit to me, which is almost hard for me to say sometimes, but I, that, that should apply to us in authority under the eldership, is we're in a great position to submit. It's when they do things and we're like, why in the world would they do that? You know, or we get frustrated with it. You know, if we want our prayers answered, submit. You know, and to look at them and think they're not there to lord over us. They're there with the heart of serving us. Should make it easier. And, you know, I'd say this. Uh, thanks, Ted. Uh, if you feel like that we're lording over, you know what you have a responsibility to do? Tell us. You, you're free to speak it to us. Because if, we, if we're communicating, I know the elders, all the elders, and our heart is that if that's what we're projecting, y'all, we, we want to change. We want to change. I want to say my part of Tammy's thing now. Um, you know, Tammy gave her testimony. I just wanted to say, too, as a woman, that these guys' hearts um, is to protect I mean, their their biggest fear is, about not getting this right is that we would be in a place of non-protection. So, I, you know, that's that's important to me because, like Rick and I, have experienced the other, and and I I it's not a good place to be. So that's what makes me feel safe is that I know that they're going to err on the side of covering me, and that's a good place for us. And uh, the other thing is that in the beginning of all of this, the Lord just told me that this is going to require a lot of grace and mercy on both sides. And that, like he said, when we see the gaps, you know, that's where the intercession happens and that's where we give grace and mercy. And that's where communication's got to happen. And it's on both sides. You know, when we, we may step, you know, in the wrong place as well. We're not going to fear that because we know what we're going to receive on the other side of that is grace and mercy. Okay, and it's the same for them. You know, I don't want them operating in fear of what they communicate to us because on the other side of that is going to be grace and mercy. And so he just told me that, you know, I knew they weren't going to have it all figured out tonight because he told me it's going to be a process of grace and mercy. And, and I just think that's critical for us. But I just wanted you to hear that, that their heart is they do not want to leave us unprotected and that it is a safe place for us. You've been using a pronoun there. They. How about we? So. Any questions? Ted, thanks. Ron? I don't know how this relates to what you're talking about, but uh, the Lord just was speaking to me about this. You know the thing with, like, uh, women are now in combat roles in the military? Well, like, in the church, you know, are they to be warriors, you know, in, like, the same capacity in the church? Like, as men, you know, we're warriors. And I just got some questions about Well, uh, just let's put it this way. Let me find it. Uh, Karen Dugan. Don't doubt she's not a warrior. You know how she wars? Praying. I remember that old Petra song, get on your knees and fight like a man. 
you know, rip. I want to thank you. I can. I, I have walked this path my whole life. And all through my time and all the churches, they've always asked me to be the head of my family. I kept saying, I don't understand. The understanding is that as head of my wife, I serve her as Christ is my head. What would Jesus do? He died for me. He didn't ask me to do anything. He died for me. That's what we do as head of our family, is we die for our family. We die for the church. We don't ask them to do things to receive that. We have taught me years and years by saying no. You need to be the head of your family and control it and rule it. That is incorrect. I have waited. I have waited. I have waited. All the churches I've been in have taught that. This one included. And I have waited. Thank you. Rick don't speak much, but when he speaks, <laughs> it's a period. Thank you, Rick. Thank you so much. And forgive us for not communicating that accurately. Forgive us. Burby, I picked on you enough tonight. Come here and close this. He knows I love him, though. And I know he loves me, and that's why we, we kid around a lot. Uh, you know, I, did you, I don't know about you, but when Rick spoke that, that passage in 1 Corinthians 14, I think it's 30, was it the 34? Or, did, you, did you feel the power of God in that? Amen. Lord, I just thank you for, Lord, you're, you're training us, you're teaching us, Lord. And though we, we, we still have a long way to go in understanding, Lord Jesus, but Lord, we go from mystery to mystery, you know, and you bring revelation, Lord, and it's your promise, Lord God, that those who serve you and love you, that you said you will make the mysteries known. And so, Lord, we just ask, continually ask that you would show us, because, Lord, we have a desire in our hearts, Lord, as a body and as a leadership to, to train and to equip and to teach the, uh, the, the perfect will of God perfect word of God, Lord, and we, I just thank you, Jesus, for bringing revelation, Lord, and I just know that as we, Lord, submit ourselves under you, that you will bring, continually, Lord, bring revelation and truth, and uh, so, Lord, we love you, we thank you, God, for being patient with us, <laughs> Lord, thank you, God, for your patience with us, thank you, God, that you never give up that you never leave us, you never forsake us, but you continually, Lord, draw us into your presence, draw us into truth. And Lord, your truth will set us free. 
And we're thankful for that. We're thankful for that. We give you praise and glory, Jesus, for tonight, for bringing the revelation and truth. We pray that more will continue to come forward. We pray, Lord, that we will continue to walk out, Lord, the things that the course of, of the things that you have purpose for our hearts and lives as men and women, Lord God, to fulfill, Lord, everything that you have, the destinies that you put in us, that there'd be no hindrances, encumbrances, Lord, but that we as a leadership would be, Lord, desiring to see everyone built up to the fullness and the full knowledge of Christ. That's our desire. So we thank you, God. Lord, we have the assurance and know, Lord God, I have faith in believing that we're going to get there. We're going to get there. I believe it, Lord. So Lord, we give you thanks and praise for this glorious night. We thank you for the rain, too. We thank you that it stopped just in time as we leave, too. In Jesus' name, everybody be blessed. Amen.